Hey everyone, welcome to the Mark for Glory podcast, episode number 29. Hey Josh. Hey Mark. Uh, we're going to speak to Kim Fisher today, who's just outside of Edmonton. Um, she was previously diagnosed with SCA-14, but now uh, they're not really sure what she has. So we'll let her tell us more about it. Uh, so let's get to it. Hey, Kim. How Hi, are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well here. I'm blessed. It's and it's great weather. It's kind of cold outside. It's probably colder around Edmonton, but uh, there's no snow yet. Do you guys have snow there? Yes, we have snow. We had quite a dump a um, couple of days ago on the weekend. It was quite a bit, <laughs> at least a foot. Yeah. Um, maybe we can start with you telling people uh, who you are and a bit of your background. Did you grow up in Edmonton? Tell us all that stuff. Well, I grew up all over Canada, actually. My dad worked uh, as a radio operator when I was really young, so we moved from province to province. We lived in the Northwest Territories for a while, and then Northern BC, Northern Alberta, Ontario, and then we came back to Alberta, when my dad got a job with Imperial Oil as an auditor, but we moved around with that job too. So we lived in BC, Alberta, BC, back and forth. So I traveled quite a bit, but I was born in Alberta. I was born in Lake Clavish, actually. And what was your upbringing like? Well, it was not good. My dad was an is an alcoholic and he cheated a lot on my mom actually left my family for another woman uh, when i was about six years old and he she rejected him so he came back drunk in the, and passed out in the back of a taxi cab that's where i found him when i was six years old so that's kind of how my life went um, my dad was hardly ever around my brother and a sister, I was a middle child, so a typical middle, middle child syndrome. <laughs> My brother and sister took delight in tormenting me, so there was that too. So I pretty much learned to be independent and alone and if, battle for myself, basically, because nobody else was there for me. Um, my mom went to work full time after my dad left us the first time so that uh, we'd have money because he was spending the money on his mistresses. So she went to work to support us. Uh, she did finally leave him and uh, he hired a private investigator to try to find dirt on her because he didn't want to pay alimony. So my mom ended up moving back to Australia, which is where she was from, with my sister and I. My brother stayed with my dad. 
And while we were in Australia, my sister, I saw my sister get hit by a, and run over by a truck on the highway as we were getting off the school bus. So she was in a coma for three months. And I went back to Canada to finish my schooling because, of course, my mom had her hands full at that point. And when I came back to Australia, my sister was living with my mom. And she was headstrong, <laughs> stubborn. <laughs> she was a typical 16-year-old, and that's how she is today. She's 59 now, but she's still 16 in her mind. She had uh, paralysis on her left side from brain damage. Um, and of course, she's still 16. She will always remain 16. But after my mom died, I did go back to Australia for my brother's wedding. And my sister was living on her own. And she's been living on her own ever since. She's totally independent, looks after herself, um, has her own friends. So kind of having that stubbornness made her carry on and fight and continue and not give up. She, she could have just as easily said, no, I'm not going to do this when she's in the coma, but no, she's stubborn, she fought and she's out of it. So I haven't seen her in years because she's still 16, so she hates me. <laughs> she's okay as long as she's doing well. My brother's uh, wife checks up on her and she's doing fine, but seeing her being that strong and independent with that much of a change in her life kind of gave me strength to carry on too. So uh, let's talk about that a bit. When did you, or was there, did you notice little things as you grew up? Little things that were kind of weird? I was just clumsy and, 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 uh, nothing really major. I mean, I just attributed my clumsiness to just not being coordinated. But I was I was on the track and field. I was in gymnastics. I was a cheerleader. I was on the honor roll. Like it, it didn't seem to be affecting me there. And then I also, as I got older, did skiing. More skiing. I was actually doing moguls and jumps and loved that. But uh, I had a car accident where I was rear-ended at a red light by a guy who was on unprescribed Valium. <laughs> I was in a sports coupe, so two-door. He was in a three-quarter ton truck. So my the back of my car was non-existent. I had taken my seat bump off because of the stoplight to grab a tape, which is on the floor. And when I came up, I just saw him coming right at me. So I hit the steering wheel with my chest, went back, broke my seat, came back again, hit the steering wheel again, and I'm sure I blacked out for a few minutes. When I came to, I was looking at the ceiling of my car because the seat was broken. And the funny part is, the fellow came up to me and he said, why were you stopping? And I said, well, it was a red light. It's kind of the law to stop the red light. So that kind of started the ball rolling for other things happening with me. My life, I ended up getting um, two twisted discs in my back and I also had frontal lobe damage. So my short-term memory was terrible, still is. <laughs> so I've had to learn some tricks where I write down stuff, I have to write everything down. 
Um, it's very easy for me now to forget stuff. Like I'll walk to the kitchen and I'll be there doing something and then I'll just stop and not know why I was in the kitchen. And then I have to think, I have to stop and physically think about what I was doing to carry on. So I had to learn some techniques to adapt to that new part of my life too. I also had to give up a lot of the sports I loved, like I couldn't ski anymore. Um, I couldn't run. Um, when I had children, I had to have C-sections because the pelvis separates when you're giving natural birth and my back wouldn't have been able to support me, so I would have been paralyzed. So just little adjustments I made. I mean, I came out of it fine. I'm still alive. I'm still doing good. So I'm, I'm happy with my life. Got two beautiful kids, wonderful husband. And I think having and the attitude of just this is how it is now helps you to move on. Adapt. Well, first you got to accept that your life has changed. Adapt your life to those changes and you carry on. That's kind of been the mantra for my life now. Right. Even with the RCA. Is that, of course, <clears throat> my voice is changing as you notice. The, uh, the SCA changed a lot more too. Like I was more afraid of having a stroke than I was of having SCA because I'd never heard of SCA. I'd heard of strokes and how they affect you because my friend's mom had one and she can't talk, she can't walk. And I thought, oh great, I'm not talk and I'm not walk. With SCA, at least I can talk and I can walk. So there's some pluses there. So that's basically how I got to where I am with ASCA, which I'm not sure I have <laughs> or what type anyways. So when did they uh, at least first diagnose you? Um, I was probably in 2016 after my I call incident. Um, they did some blood work and they thought it was SCA6 at first, just from the symptoms I was showing. The uh, blood work said, showed that it wasn't SCA6. So then the, the uh, professor, not professor, she's, she's a neurologist who is a specialist, Dr. Oksana Sikarski. She's based at the University of Alberta. She works with a lot of ataxia. And she said, my symptoms are closer to episodic ataxia. So then I was diagnosed with episodic ataxia, but they didn't get any um, definite results from the blood test. So we just treated it as episodic. Then they did some more blood work to see if it was vitamin deficiency and whatnot, showed nothing. Then I started developing more symptoms and those symptoms led more to SCA14. So then we did some more blood work that came back negative for SCA14 negative for Friedrich's ataxia. So we're kind of left here. I was told to check back in 10 years when maybe technology has improved and they can identify, I have one gene, which they don't know what it is. So it's an unknown. And how did you handle the diagnosis at that time? Well, I had exception, I had ataxia. I had accepted the SCA6, I had accepted the episodic ataxia. 
to me, it's it. The site doesn't matter. I've got the symptoms. I'm dealing with the symptoms as they happen. It makes no difference to me to know the type. I mean, I know some people it's important to them so they can let their children know. Uh, I think for me, I told my children there's a 50% chance they could have what I have. But at the same time, I'm responsible to show them how they handle the disease too without going into a, a courier and crying all your life. Then it's not a death sentence. You just have to change your lifestyle and you have to adapt to it. So um, what would your advice be for anyone that's uh, going through or going through a new diagnosis or struggling with what, whatever they have? <clears throat> I know a lot of people do and it's okay to have these feelings. You can't deny people feeling like they're lost or they're sad or they're angry. We all go through that. It's kind of a grieving process. But as I said, it's not distance. You just have to adapt your life and enjoy each day for what it is. I mean, I have bad days where I'm gonna just go in the shower and cry my eyes out. And sometimes I do, but the next day is different. It's a better day. So I, I think you just have to look at this. Every day is not going to be perfect. This is going to be different. You just have to adjust your life to that different lifestyle. You're on mute, Josh. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, Kim. So you're in uh, you're in Alberta. Um, have you found a, a community of people that are, are um, that you can find a camaraderie with, like an ataxia uh, group or something like that? Actually, I did form one, but because of COVID, it's been a bit difficult to get together. Um, of course, but we do uh, you know, chat with each other on Facebook and on Messenger. I'm not really a Zoom person because just because I don't like pictures or cameras <laughs> not that i'm vain i just i just don't feel comfortable with it um so yeah i've got a i do have a support group i've got a my husband's very supportive as are my daughter so i think that's important to have if you don't have a family that's supporting you get a support group definitely i mean i formed a facebook too group support group too just for because I was finding that the other ones were a bit too negative for me. I mean, I like, I like to share bad days, but I don't like to just dwell on it and be angry all the time. Because for me, that just it doesn't work for me. So I formed another support group called the Taxi Canada Support and Research. And I've got a few people on there. Just share the information I get from the Taxi Canada or other places. I look up information too about anything new in research-wise for a taxi and share that as well. I'm also on uh, the National Taxi uh, Support Group as well, and met met a lot of lovely people, a lot of all over the world, <laughs> and I think it's a wonderful way to meet other people and share your experiences. Definitely. So 
You mentioned that you do some therapies that have that are helpful to you in some adaptations that you use. Uh, would you care to elaborate on some of those? Okay. Well, the adaptations are 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 the usual. I have a walker for when I'm doing long distances because I can't. Okay. It's like I can hold on to my husband or my daughter, but it's kind of hard having someone hang on you for a long time. So I do have a walker for that. I don't drive, so I rely on others, so which is good because I shouldn't be driving because my reflexes aren't very good. And I would never want to hurt somebody else with a car. I also uh, just have more help around the house. I ask for more help. I was very, like I said, independent. Um, cleaning was my way of being in control. <laughs> Sounds silly, but it was, and I, I had to give that up. So I had to give up a lot of control. Uh, I also um, do the exercises that Elizabeth Fosper provides. Um, I did finish the 30-day abandonment challenge, and that really helped a lot. I mean, she has wonderful information. Um, she adjusts her exercises to people like us. I also have still doing yoga when I can, and that's half a yoga, so it's not uh, any of the stranger poses, I call them. It's more, more smooth smooth and running it out. And I have uh, one core exercise that I still do. It's important to keep your core strong. So, and also just moving things out of the way so that I'm not in, in the dark is bad for me. So I'm not stepping on stuff. I have two cats, unfortunately, who do get in the way. I accidentally stepped on my cat's tail one night. <laughs> he wasn't too happy, but I can't control him, so he's just going to have to move out of the way next time, I think. But, I mean, you just, like, writing things down from memory is a big one for me. Writing things down and uh, just thinking before I move is a big one, too. Because it, it's not as easy as it used to be. People take for granted just taking a step forward, taking something up off the floor. I have to think about it too, and I'm sure a lot of other people do. And then I had to adjust the way I get up off the floor. It's not like just getting up like I used to. I have to go on my hands and knees and push myself up. So just little things like that. Anything to make my life easier. And of course, just getting things that help to make your life easier. We're going to be doing a renovation on the kitchen because if cupboards that I have to actually sit on the floor to get at, which is kind of stupid. So we're hoping to get some drawers and then adjust the stove and, and the stove top and the oven so it's up more. I just find bending down is difficult. And how is your handwriting? Well, <laughs> I prefer to type. How's that? <laughs> yeah. um, I have good days and bad days with that too. Uh, some days it's legible. Other days it looks like my doctor's prescription prescription so <laughs> yeah adapt like i said i prefer to type i'm so glad we have typing abilities now um anyways kim i i'm grateful for the time you took to speak with us today 
I know you um, probably have to get back to whatever you're doing. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But thanks for, for uh, speaking with us and have yourself a good day. You too, Mark. Thanks again. Bye, Josh. Hey, you. Want to be a guest on the podcast? Drop me a line at the email in the description below.